Welcome to another edition of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video yep. cast. This is a bi-weekly show that we do every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, in which we talk about primarily the solo careers of the Beatles. I'm Ken Michaels. I'm one of the four regular co-hosts of this show. And uh, hopefully you know me for a couple of my other Beatles programs that I host or co-host, a weekly syndicated Beatles show that's on over 50 stations right now called Every Little Thing. And also another podcast show called Things We Said Today, which is also bi-weekly, which covers everything about the Beatles, solo and the group. And uh, I'm being joined by my three regular co-hosts on this show, my esteemed panel. Let's bring them on right now. First of all, a woman who has written several books on the Beatles, including songs who were singing guided tours to the Beatles' lesser-known tracks. Also, The Beatles and Fandom, and a book on Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson FAQ, all that's needed to know about the king of pop. She is the queen of Beatles social media. She's the queen of Motown. In fact, you know, I was just thinking, being the queen of Motown, whenever she's near, we hear a symphony. And I mean that very <laughs> sincerely. I'm sorry there, kid. <laughs> 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 and uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help myself. So uh, let's one. welcome <laughs> Kiddo Tool to the show. That that may be one of the greatest introductions <laughs> ever. <laughs> I I love that. Oh, okay. I thought <laughs> you might say it was one of the worst, but oh no, hey, no it like was it. one of the best. It was one <laughs> okay. of the best. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. And, uh, hello, Tom. Hello, Joe. And hello, everybody. Everybody out there, since this is a, a Paul-centric uh, episode, and I have a feeling, yep, I have a feeling this is going to be a very special episode tonight. There's <laughs> a lot to talk about. Yep, and I think you'll all agree with me that Kit always has the best backdrops. Yes. Her head yeah. is right next to Father McKenzie. That's right. <laughs> is that planned? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. That's totally planned. Okay. One of the most important lyrics of Paul's career. That's right. Some of them. Some of them. Okay. So, yeah, but, but some of the most important. Also on the show, we have one half of the team of Two Legs, along with Annie Nichols, a solo Paul McCartney podcast. He's always cranking out shows at lightning speed, <laughs> including uh, just recently the top 101 solo McCartney songs, a countdown that he did in five shows was it yeah five shows yes yep and that's tom hunyadi 
Hey, how you doing, Ken? Good to be here. Joe, Kit, everybody out there. Um, another. <laughs> oh, get a room, you two. <laughs> yeah, really. Wait, wait a minute. Why isn't that the chaos cover? Oh, let me tell you. I know. I almost, I almost sprung for the uh, the chaos one too. But Christmas is coming, you know. Oh my goodness! You do that with all your McCartney releases, don't you? <laughs> Pretty much. You kiss all of them. The TMI. Yeah. <laughs> Also, we have Joe Mayo with us, and he has his own YouTube channel, also known as Me, Mr. Mayo. Does a lot of stuff on the Beatles, a lot on pop culture, has his show Fab Gab, where he ranks Beatles and solo Beatles songs from their albums. He's all over the place, you know? He's on YouTube every single day. Here, there, like and everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Joe. Hello, Ken. Thank you. Hello, Kit. Hello, Tom. Hey. We've got another great show in store tonight. We're here to review. Well, Tom just showed it. <laughs> I'll show it, too. The oh. brand new Paul McCartney book, The Lyrics, which has lyrics to many of his songs that span his entire career all the way back to I Lost My Little Girl, which he wrote when he was 14. So we're going to be talking about that book in depth here on the show tonight. We'd love to know what you guys think, all of you watching the show right now. You can always write in with your comments about any aspect of this book, certain songs, th certain things you learned about it, and of course, respond to what we're, we're saying here on the show tonight. But as usual, we have a lot of news to get to here. A lot has happened in the last two weeks, and we'll start with the Billboard charts. And for the week of November 6th, let it be, the reissue of it, which uh, debuted at number five on the top 200 album charts, drops all the way down to number 42 Ouch. this particular week. And on the official albums charts in the UK, it's actually been on their charts for three weeks, going from number two where it debuted to 22 to 36. So let's just hope that when Get Back premieres on the Disney Plus channel, that will uh, kind of reinvigorate right. <laughs> The sales of Let It Be. Remember the day where it once belonged. Yeah. Yeah. Remember yes. the days when you started dropping on the charts? There's only like maybe two or five places, you know. Yeah. Now uh -huh. it's like twenty or the thirties. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But when it comes to archival releases, especially that, and as I've said here on the show many times, new releases from veteran acts, because mm -hmm. all the the hardcore fans, the loyal fans, rush out and buy it immediately, and then it dies a quick death. Um, also, we got a lot here to talk about. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremonies, which happened on October the 30th, Paul McCartney gave the induction speech for the Foo Fighters, and in his speech, he made the parallel between his career and that of Dave Grohl, and how they both had to face the sad endings of their first band, and then have success all over again with a new one. At the end of the night, the Foo Fighters jammed on three of their songs, and then Paul joined them singing Get Back, in a version that was faithful to the original, Ringo Starr, live from his home in Beverly Hills, inducted Billy Preston. And the show will be broadcast on HBO on November the 20th, and it will stream on HBO Max. Anybody here see uh, Paul's performance of Get Back? And anyone want to comment about it? Because I have to admit, his voice was a little rough, to say the least. Right. 
you know we yeah. saw it on youtube and yeah of course you know that first verse was pretty rough but then you know as it was going he did try to make up for it singing differently but uh my biggest take kind of was is how uncomfortable he looked with just the microphone in his hand yeah right <laughs> good point <laughs> i never liked paul doing that but ringo could get away with it but paul we, i, I want to see him with that guitar yeah. Well, Paul uh, Ringo is used to it now right. from all the years of the All-Stars right. being up front. Right. Yeah. yeah, there was a concert that Paul gave several years ago where he sang on a slow boat to China. Mm. And it was just him on stage with a microphone. And it looked so weird to see him there <laughs> yes. without a guitar or being next to a piano or, or right. anything. But, well, um, the beginning, uh, I get back, I saw it on YouTube a few times. Uh, the beginning was, was rough. And, you know, we have to remember, too, uh, Paul hasn't been singing live like he used to. He used to sing a lot more. Um, but, you know, his, his voice, I don't know. Uh, it, it used to be hit and miss in concerts. Sometimes I'd see him and I'd be like, oh, I can't believe how good he sounds. Uh, he, he could be doing this another 20 years. Sometimes I'd see him, you know. And then there are times like uh, the Hall of Fame where maybe I'm like, he's a little rough. I think he does better when he, he goes to the rock voice, mm -hmm. you know, when he tries to to sing it a little tougher like that, I think he can uh, the get back chorus was, wasn't bad. You know, mm. that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, It well, got slightly better as, as it went along. Um, mm. You know, I, I think, uh, I don't know, you know, did he have time to, you know, warm up his voice at all? I mean, you know, as you said, he didn't have a you know, guitar in his hand. I mean, he just, you know, walked out there. I mean, it just looked, I don't know, was it planned? I, I mean, it, it just, uh, you know, he just looked uncomfortable. It just didn't seem like it was the best of circumstances all the way around. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, his inducting the Foo Fighters was planned, but right. uh, but the the performance was just kind of I don't know. It it just didn't seem as as rehearsed and planned as it as it could have been. Yeah, there's so much that we don't know where Paul's voice is concerned, and like you said, Joe, it's hit or miss sometimes. I mean, even yeah. in recent years, I've seen him in concert where he sounds fine throughout most of the show. And just about every show, there's some moments there when he struggles. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, from being in a family that's taught me a lot about singing, <laughs> it's far more difficult to sing songs where you have to hold notes than to scream, scream right. vocals. You know, it's more difficult to sing My Love, you know, than it is to sing Get Back or a Paperback Writer you know, where you're actually holding a note for a while. Mm. So, um, yeah, but it's interesting when you do see him in concert and it's surprising how he can still, at least, you know, up until COVID, was able to handle himself for up to three hours on stage. And yes, I'll admit there are times when his voice has been rough, but, mm. you know, for the most part, he's been able to carry himself. But we'll see what happens in the near future if he's going to go back to touring. Once things lighten up, which they have been already with touring, so we shall see. Yep. Also on November the 18th, Paul McCartney will be interviewed live on Barnes & Noble's YouTube page to discuss the songs from his new book, The Lyrics. He'll be talking about those songs with the CEO for Barnes & Noble, James Daunt, and that will be at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Last Friday, Paul was interviewed in London for his interview at South Bank Center, which I haven't had a chance to see. Have any of you guys seen that interview? Not yet. No. Well, I have no. access to it, so I will definitely be watching it, you know, in the next week or so. 
Um, you Discover Music reports that Paul McCartney's handwritten lyrics, along with photos and more items from Paul's personal archives, will be going on display at a new exhibition at the British Library in London. The exhibit will explore the process and people behind some of Paul's iconic songs. On display will be the handwritten lyrics for Hey Jude, 1985, Pipes of Peace, and Jenny Wren, among others. A drawing that Paul made for the single for Put It There, which we have all seen, will be featured, as well as an early Beatles set list, a postcard of the Beatles in Hamburg, and George Martin's score for Yesterday. The exhibit will run from now, it's actually running at this moment, through March 13th next year, and admission for that is free. I'm glad you mentioned the solo stuff in there because it just lately just I mean all of these interviews it just seems like these they're only focusing on Beatles stuff and you know we really need you know 50 year 50 plus year career in service as a solo artist I mean really more attention needs to be brought to that absolutely that's what I heard about the interview with, with the South right. Bank show yeah so and I guess Paul doesn't want to have control over those whatever mm. people want to ask him he just accepts uh, also, The Guardian is reporting that George Harrison's childhood home, a three-bedroom terraced house at 25 Upton Green in the Liverpool suburb on Speak, is about to go up for auction this month with an estimated price of between 160 to 200,000 pounds. Mm. The house has been renovated but still retains some of the same features when George lived there, and that includes the original bath, sink, and other outbuildings. The Harrison family moved there in 1949 and stayed there for 12 years. It was George's base as he started his first forays into music. He met Paul McCartney on the bus uh, to their school, auditioned for the Quarrymen and joined the band while living there. Omega Auctions will be selling the home and that will be on November 30th. And there will be two weeks prior for anyone who wants to schedule an appointment to view the home. I'm looking at that figure, 160 to 200,000 pounds. That's not a lot of money. Doesn't no. seem like it, does it? No. no. I mean, in, in, in American money, that's what, $300,000 for the home of one of Probably. the Beatles? <laughs> yep. Wow. Gary Wilbur just wrote, if you're a completist. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those snide remarks. There's <laughs> a honeymooners for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, big news we have from Julian Lennon from his Facebook page. He wrote, quote, finally playing all heads of departments, the whole album for the very first time. Thankfully, the response was more than I could have ever expected. Thankful, mm. which reads to me that Julian is done with a new album. Let's hope it comes out soon. This would be his first album since everything changes. And that was 2011. Wow. 10 years ago it's been almost two weeks ago production started uh, shooting for a new film on Brian Epstein called Midas Man but Variety is reporting that director Jonas Ackerlung may be departing the film. The actor Jacob Fortune Lloyd known for his work in The Queen's Gambit is playing Brian and Outlander star Rosie O'Day takes on the role of Scylla Black. Ackerlung has worked on numerous music videos for people like Paul McCartney and Madonna. Production was shut down for a week and it's uncertain whether or not he'll be returning. If he isn't, a new director will be announced imminently. Hmm. Also, Deadline reports 
this is great news here. This is long overdue that a new documentary film is in the works on the life of the late keyboardist and singer, Billy Preston. Oh. Billy was one of the most beloved and sought after organists, and he played along greats such as Little Richard, Ray Charles, and of course, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. The TV director, Paris Barclay, known for his work on NYPD Blue, The West Wing and Glee, will be the director. Barclay said, quote, the Billy Preston we know was an incomparable musician. But the Billy we'll see in this documentary was a mass of contradictions. Mm. I'm thrilled to dig deeper into the complex man under the Afro and behind the famous smile, end of quote. It is shocking to me that there hasn't been a documentary on Billy Preston considering, right. you know, the incredible career that he's had and just, you know, somewhat, there aren't many people that can say they were on a Beatle record and share right. the credit <laughs> on right. a Beatles record. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so nice to see that's happening. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, all of his personal life, though, wasn't as grand as his musical career, though. Right. But this will yeah. take a look at all of it. Right. Okay. Jude Kessler is known for having written a series of books on the life of John Lennon that are thoroughly and exhaustively researched. Her new one is volume five in her series, and it's called Shades of Life, part one. I think I have it right here that I can hold up Looks ah. like this just got this here in the mail from Jude it covers the period of January through August of 1965 she plans on having nine volumes out to cover John's entire life you can look to my website where I'll be giving you the chance to win a copy of Jude's book with a uh, special contest happening starting this Friday a few more items here you may have noticed there's a TV commercial out right now for Coles in which they're using From Me to You, the Beatles song. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. So another example of uh, Beatles music being used in commercials. Just found out about this yesterday, and many of you probably have heard about this. We note the passing of journalist Maureen Cleave, mm. who wrote for London's Evening Standard. That's a name that will forever be tied to Beatle history. It was Cleve's interview with John, which caused an eruption in the US mm. when John said that the Beatles were popular, more popular than Jesus, which led to boycotting and burning of Beatle records, particularly in the Bible Belt. It was said that John had claimed to have had an affair with Maureen, which inspired the Beatles song Norwegian Wood, although John also said he couldn't remember who the song was about. However, Maureen said he made no pass at her. Mm. She wrote not only for the Standard, but throughout her career also for Telegraph Magazine, Sega Magazine, Intelligent Life Magazine, and others. Maureen Cleave was 87 years old. Wow. And two more items here. Let's end this on a happy note. The first announcement has been made for the Fest for Beatles fans, uh, yes. which is on for April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency on the Hudson. So far, the guests that have been announced include Greg Bissonette, Billy J. Kramer, Lawrence Juber, Don Daneman of the band The Circle, Mark Rivera, and Chris O'Dell will be there. Okay. She put out her book, Miss O'Dell. Mm -hmm. It's got to be like 10 years ago now. Always check the FEST website for the latest information at thefest.com. I want to remind everybody that um, there's a very special concert that's about to take place on Long Island. 
I bring this up every now and then. It's called the Concert for Bangladesh Revisited. It happens on November the 26th at the Tilly Center for the Performing Arts in Brookville, Long Island. The band Wondrous Stories puts on this show. Wondrous Stories is a name taken from the Yes Song, an album. This is an incredible band of musicians that occasionally does Beatles shows, all kinds of music they're known for, a lot of progressive rock like Yes and Genesis, a lot of top 40 pop music from the 70s they do. They can do just about anything. But this is now the ninth time that they're gonna do this show and they recreate the concert for Bangladesh. They do every single piece of music with the exception of the Ravi Shankar piece, right. which, right. which they substitute somehow with an Indian piece of some kind. Oh. Like they, a few years ago, they did um, Love You Too on stage oh. instead wow. of the Ravi Shankar piece, but everything, the Leon Russell song, the Bob Dylan sets, the Ringo song, all of George's stuff, you name it, Billy Preston. Um, they do it all and they're fantastic performers and they always have special guests to join them. Uh, one particular year, Denny Lane was there, Steve Holly was there, Gene Cornish of the Rascals was there. And every year they do this, the money goes to cancer research. It's a fantastic show. They also, after they do the whole thing, they do a whole set of other Beatle music. And that oh, very cool. same show that I saw, they did the Magical Mystery Tour album. So wow. the concert itself runs over three hours. You really get your money's worth. If you can, if you're anywhere near Long Island, make sure you see the show on November 26th. At, uh, it's at 8 p.m. The Tilly Center for the Performing Arts in Brookville, Long Island. The concert for Bangladesh revisited. <laughs> No one will, re will recommend this more highly than yours truly right here. I think you'll really love it. All right. Do they do the whole, we forgot Billy Preston bit. <laughs> they haven't <laughs> done that. But the music, all the music they covered. Okay. So as we said uh, earlier, the show tonight is about this book right here. You're picking that up so gracefully alert. there. I mean, yeah, that's, that was, I mean you're a strong guy. <laughs> I don't have the books inside here. <laughs> I'm saving that for right now because yeah. we've got two full, very heavy books <clears throat> right here. And I really love the packaging. You'll like yes. that, won't you, Tom? Because I never talk about <laughs> packaging here on the show, do I? <laughs> but, um, you know, very wonderfully done. Handwritten lyrics on the front and the back of each book. Nice photos. Um, I love the fact that on the spine here, that right. you know, it's got Paul's head in half. On right. both, on both they don't have books. that on the UK version, right? The, the uh, face is not on the spine. I believe. Don't really? believe. I didn't know that. But uh, your comments about the packaging, guys? Why don't we start Beautiful. with you, Tom? Yeah, you know. Um... Unfortunately, green is one of my least favorite colors. Um, <laughs> um, That's but, surprised. You know, John, John always said he liked green. So yeah. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I am a little jealous of the UK version. I would I would love to have that picture of, of Paul in the backyard that uh, his brother took. Uh, it was a really nice presentation on there. I thought that was great. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's fine. Um, yeah, like Ken said, I like the image on the side there. I like the two, like the two books. Um, the lyrics on the, the, on the jacket sleeve are one thing, but then when you take the jacket sleeve off, there's also another set of lyrics on both sides mm. um, that you can uh, look at. However, 
when I take this jacket sleeve off, there is one dis really disappointing factor about the book here, and I don't want to be really careful here. But when you look at this, I mean, it's it's starting, to, it's warping um, my book. I don't know if you can tell right there, but here, here's another shot right there where mm. you can tell that I'm getting a little warping issue on mine. I don't know if anybody else has had that problem. I haven't noticed yet. No, Not me. With theirs, but... Uh, but um, it's a little unfortunate. So, um, but other than that, uh, it's it's put together well. Um, you know, the inside is, is done well. I mean, the pages seem like they're in there very, uh, very well. Um, I like the spines too, without the jacket sleeve on there is really nice. Mm -hmm. However, you don't get the picture of Paul on, on the jacket, you know, on the, um, on the regular book itself without the jacket sleeve. But other right. than that, you know, the packaging is nice. Um, I like that it's in that bind, binder uh, or that box or whatever you want to call it, uh, dust jacket or whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. A little disappointed with the warping, like I said, but other than that, um, it's okay. All right, Kit, you have any comments? Yeah, I, I agree that the, uh, the outside, I mean, I do like the, the case that you know I like that that the two volumes come in that case but uh, but yeah I do like the UK version better than than ours in the green I mean it is I love the color green I'm Irish <laughs> I have to love it but <laughs> but uh, but it's it's just you know it's a little dull uh, you know I do like that that UK uh, photo better but uh but nonetheless uh i do uh like it i mean it's a very makes for a very you know handsome package it's you know great for your library mm. um and the two books i mean they're they're extremely well made extremely heavy uh mm. but that's fine because that means you know they're they're well made they're solid um i have not found the warping um problem yet i i hope i won't right. but uh but so far so good uh but uh you know i love the quotes that are on both the uh the case and you know inside i mean it's just a first class production mm. i mean it really is like i mean it is for your library yep. and uh, and they are really treating these lyrics you know with reverence and and you really see that in in the packaging. So I mm -hmm. I think they've done an extremely uh, a nice job with with this. Yeah, I like what you said there about the lyrics being treated with reverence. Absolutely, uh, we'll get, we'll talk more about that uh, later on in the show. Joe, how about you? Oh well, I, I I echo those sentiments. I mean, it's well done. I love the uh, the box. Uh, yeah, it, I prefer to have the chaos and creation in the backyard photo if i could pick but if it was a matter of well one or the other you take the spines as we have with the split face of paul which i think is cool when you look at it on your shelf mm. or would i rather have the chaos box maybe i'll go with the spines with the face on it looking at you uh it would have been nice if the, instead of a green box if it was another alternate shot of paul or something on the box you know right. instead of green that would have mm. been cool but but you know no it's a, it's a nice package really uh professional really nice and yeah it's it's terrific from the actual packaging book uh, quality yeah. and all that yeah one yeah. other thing too if you do go to barnes and nobles they are giving away tote bags with it yeah that's nice i saw that yeah. on joe's <laughs> video too when yeah. i went to barnes yeah. and noble and they didn't give me one oh uh, you know oh, what's, what's I hilarious have to go back I, there i had to say <laughs> something to the person 
Oh, they're well, probably hoarding I, I, it for themselves. I was surprised. I had people that said, like you said, you know, you, you, your store didn't didn't have it, Ken, and you had to. Uh, Tom had to ask. With me, I went there determined to buy the book. I didn't know anything about its tote bag, and when she came mm. to wrap it up, so to speak, she had produced a bag from uh, a whole bunch of bags on the on the floor mm. and put. I said, oh, that's that's a nice extra touch, especially for the. The price that Barnes and Noble was charging, I said I didn't feel as bad because it was a little bit more than online. You know, let's put it that way. You know, at the store was more on Barnes and Noble, but um, yeah. So people were saying, "Oh, he just went and got it for uh, you know for the tote bag." I didn't know there was a tote bag. <laughs> you know, nobody b- believes it. Think what you mm. want. Think for yourself. Nice. But, uh, what a nice yeah. bonus surprise. Yeah, mm. I love that. You know, you got part of Calico Skies. Um, as the lyrics yeah. on the tote bag, you know, and then you got the, <laughs> the you know, the title, you know, there, and obviously mm. Barnes and Nobles there. So, yeah, very nice. All right. Yeah, number of people are saying in the comments, the ones who, who bought there, they had to ask for the bag. They kept right. them in the back. So, yeah, they're. Uh, yeah, I don't know it, why. Well, I'm going back. It, to I'm Barnes glad I'm back. Yeah. Right, go I'm back. Glad I got one because once I got one and I could make the video, some people said, "Oh, I didn't even know there was one." Nor did I. And then they could ask for it. Yeah. But with the packaging, I, I must say, I think that the paper quality is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the lots of incredible photos in there. Some we've seen before, some we've never seen before. And um, as a oh, side photos. note, uh, you guys know, every time that, especially with Paul, he puts out one of his archival box sets, I love handwritten lyrics. Mm-hmm. And one thing you notice is that these guys save their handwritten lyrics for songs. Yes. And this is this is kind of like his I Me Mind book. Yep. There if you, you go. think about yep. it. Point. You know? um, however, it can't possibly be that complete because his catalog is so massive with his solo career. And he didn't obviously he couldn't get through all the Beatles songs too. But uh, yeah, I love you know the whole packaging of this book. I think it's aces. Mm. You know, I probably would prefer that photo from Chaos and Creation because it's such a great photo that mm. McCartney took, and he's he's playing the guitar there, and it's just so perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, so why don't we talk about? And we briefly touched upon this when we first heard about the book, the selection of songs that were chosen. Now, I got to imagine how how on earth does Paul pick <laughs> the songs? <laughs> spanning 60 years in his career and obviously there are some choice ones from the Beatle years that he's got to pick you know but his solo career is so massive over 30 right. studio albums I'm glad to see that he even included something from the Liverpool Oratorio in here yeah. um, but are you pleased with the songs that he picked to write about why don't we start with you Kit yeah I mean there were some great surprises in here Hmm. Um, I mean, some of them you would expect. I mean, he, he, you know, included the ones like, you know, the hits, uh, Band hmm. on the Run, uh, and, uh, you know, Coming Up. And I mean, you know, you would, you would say, okay, you know, I would expect solely love songs, you know, you would expect that. But, you know, then he'd throw in average person. Magneto uh, Entertainment, man. That he did. <laughs> and I yeah, read that. That was for you. I did. Yes. That was for you, Ted. You know yeah, it. Just, yeah, he what threw a good that song. in just for me. I know he did. Um, you know, but he did throw in. I was thrilled to see "Dress Me Up as a Robber" because mm. that's what that I, mm. I've always liked that track. And I, I mean, I was shocked 
when when and pleasant you know pleasantly surprised um you know you could tell there were some songs that that he threw in that were just personal favorites of his and he would discuss you know why they were personal i love now i mean arrow through me was a hit uh Minor. but not a massive hit but a hit yeah. but he said you know i've always had a soft spot for this one right. Um, and yeah. described, you know, what he liked about it. I was thrilled that he included it. That's one of my all-time favorites of his. And, you know, so he would throw these little curveballs in, uh, you know, with with these, you know, throw in the hits, and then he'd, you know, throw in some B-sides, some, uh, you know, and, and I just, uh, I thought that was, you know, such a great thing. Now, there were some songs that, you know, and I'm sure we we could all go around and, and say, why didn't he include Take It Away? Why didn't he include oh, X, yeah. Y, Z? Mm -hmm. right. But, you know, it's clear he deliberately chose certain songs that meant a lot to him. Mm. And it, it, you know, really reveals him as a songwriter, as, as you know, as a, as a, you know, an artist. Uh, and sometimes his personal life so uh so you know you might not see your favorite song here but you know you have to respect his choices and and i mean you know come on including check my machine they're like yeah, you what took, you stole my thunder <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, I, when i think lyrics i think check my machine yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I, I think. Why don't we do it in the road when it comes to yeah. which he yeah. which he put in his poetry book? <laughs> I mean, that's poetry and, and he, right there. Yeah, I know, and he did readings of it. Why don't we do it in the road? Oh man, it's funny you mentioned that about Arrow Through Me because I recall when Pure McCartney was coming out that Paul had said something like he was going through his catalog and he couldn't remember Arrow Through Me, mm. how it went. Right. So now he's got a soft spot for it. Right. <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, Joe, how about you? What do you think of the selection of songs? Oh, yeah. A nice mixed bag. I mean, uh, the ones that we would expect, the usual suspects, you might say, you know, uh, yesterday, Eleanor Rigby, here, there, everywhere, those those kind of songs. But I was thrilled. Like one of my favorite songs was in there, the solo, Cafe on the Left Bank. Yes. Off London Town. I mean, I love that song. And uh, to hear him discussing that, was really really cool i mean besides like a woman oh why um simple as that was it was a you know unusual track to be in that there, was I a thought. shocker yeah you know? uh i checked my machine as you said uh some of the notes i have here uh like uh old siam sir which is like my favorite song of back to the egg and uh i gotta say you know finally i know what the words are such as they are in that song, because you know, then there were no written lyrics with the Back to the Egg album, and I got most of them right. I think, I think when I, when I started looking at them, uh, but I like uh, something that he said. I took some notes here, like an old Siamser, for example. He said, uh, "I think the reason I'm ever so slightly embarrassed by it is that it doesn't really make much sense." <laughs> and he says, "Maybe I should relax though, because it doesn't necessarily have to make sense." Right. And you, you know, when you're enjoying a song. Like a rock song like that, you, he's screaming it out and he's giving it his all. Uh, I think he called them dummy lyrics or something in that passage. Mm -hmm. He said they're dummy yeah. lyrics or something, or something like that. Yeah, that was interesting. And yeah, just a lot I could go on forever. I mean, uh, I'm sure Tom has the dear friend. Uh, 
And so he's like, oh, I took my thunder, which we'll get into a lot of these, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, I never know what the questions, are, the follow-up question is going to be, so I don't know whether I should wait. Uh, so there's some Beatles songs I have opinions on, you know, uh, what was actually said in there, but I don't know where you're going, Ken. So okay, uh, well, I'm sure you'll you get know. to say everything that you'll that you'll want to say. Uh, all right. Yeah, Tom, you. Yeah, you know, I was really gung ho about how much songs were in here from his later period. Mm. Um, you know, for like now, let's say like from the last 20 years, uh, even, you know, Calico Skies, Kiss of Venus, Despite re Repeated Warnings, uh, Do It Now, um, lots of songs, for Confidant, um, yes. lots of songs from his second half, if you will, if you want to call it that, of his solo career that are in here that I was really happy about. Because again, as we talk, you know, so many times we hear him talk about Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. Let's I want to hear him talk about these solo stuff. And, and you know, and they're really yeah. they're here, you know, only mama knows, um, you know, it is, is great. Um, you mm. know, I obviously I've got some stuff down here when we talk about some of our personal favorites. So we'll get to that. But um you know, too much rain, um, you know, is in there, which is great. Uh, pretty little head was a surprise. Um, I, nice I'll tell one. you what thing just out of sight was nothing too much just out of sight was in there, you know, which I thought was great. Um, you know, the one that I really wanted to be in here because is writing the vanity fair, because, you know, obviously we know <laughs> that we, we think we know who the song is about, but you right. know, we really would love it to hear it come from his, you know, from his words and onto paper, you know, what it is that, you know, it must really be be a, it must really be about her after maybe, all. It's not in the maybe. book. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, days on my way to work. You know, uh, like all this later day stuff. I I was in heaven with, and just really glad that he, you know, took the time to include those songs as well because those songs I think are just as worthy as uh, the stuff in, from the '60s. I couldn't have said it better. You know, I love the selection here, and obviously, you got to go through a certain amount of Beatles. Right. And, um, yeah, I like the fact that he has some of the more recent stuff. Jenny Wren is one of my favorite songs of his, period. Yep. You know, um, Cafe on the Left Bank, like you said, Joe. That's always <laughs> yeah, been one of my favorites from London Town. So, yeah, um, it's a really good selection. And, you know, we talk very often about how when he's interviewed, it's always about the Beatles. And I think the thing is, especially, well, in the media people who interview him feel that most people want him to talk about the Beatles and that's right. why they're they're given he's given those kind of questions so that's why when you read interviews when you watch interviews with them most of it is about that so you don't get to hear about the last 50 years of Paul <laughs> McCartney's career when he's had so much success and uh that's a shame so I'm really glad that you know, it's it's basically, I guess it's like a fifty-fifty here between Beatles and solo. It's a nice balance. I didn't I didn't think it was overkill with the Beatles. Uh, I thought it was pretty, you know, good amount of solo and Beatles. I was mm. I like that. I haven't read the whole thing, but I've been thumbing through the sea and looking at the contents. Right. And, uh, you know, it's at least we know also now there's some doubt for some people that Dustbin Lid he actually covered the other me is actually uh, the act, uh what does he say liverpool rhyming slang for a kid kid which we, right. we heard we'd heard that uh -huh. now it, when it's really there now in black and white it's official so there's no disputing yeah. it okay he also talks about salamander right yes, in, yes. oh in, um, i, I did getting closer, getting closer. Getting closer. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that was because um, Linda would pick up stones and she'd be looking for lizards or newts. And when she picked them up, she would call them a salamander. Mm-hmm. And Paul liked that and thought oh, that that's... it sounded exotic. That's the Ooh. reason why it's in there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So at least we have an explanation here. Yeah, yeah I like that. You know. And there's a bunch of these explanations, too, to your point, Ken, which, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about. Yeah. Well, what I'd like to talk about in general is what have you learned about Paul as a songwriter from reading this book, aside from specific songs and information from the songs about him, the process of how he writes? Is there Uh anything that you picked up in that regard? Okay. Um, this time we'll we'll start with um, we'll start with Joe. Okay, well, uh, he confirmed something that I'd always thought pretty much. He said that I think he said 98% of his songs are come to him uh, musically, you know, the music, not mm-hmm. lyrically. Right. And right. he talked about how I think uh, All My Loving is like the only song he says that the words came first, which is fascinating right. to me. I, I might, I might have heard that before, but I don't know. You forget things as you get, you, you know, you get older, right? Mm. So... Um, that was pretty amazing to me, uh, for him to confirm that. And he said 98%, yet the only song he can remember is one song, All My Love is maybe it's more 99% than 98%. I, I don't know. I think, I think the average is higher than that. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> All right. And, uh, yeah, that's the main, the main thing. I mean, I knew, I knew most, I think the songs that I've looked up, you know, some choice ones, I think I knew a lot about, uh, Paul's, the way he writes, I think, I, I, as of yet, I don't think I've really learned anything new, but that that's what stuck out of me so far. I, I haven't devoured the whole book yet. You know, um, mm-hmm. never read the whole thing. Um, yeah, that's that came to mind. First thing. Okay, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that he's he draws from the past a lot. Um, talking yeah. about uh, Cafe um, on the Left Bank, as a matter of fact, like Ken and, and Joe mentioned, where he talked about the John and, and, and Paul uh, hitchhiking to, to Paris and, you know, talking about that and, you know, just a lot of stuff, um, you know, whether or not a personal life too, because, because, you know, I really felt that this book was more of a person, his personal journey as a songwriter um, myself, when you're reading this, it really just, you know, looks like the memories are coming from the songs really, it seems like. And I thought that was a really important thing reading this. And it's, it's almost like in a way it's as an aspiring songwriter, can take this book and learn a lot from it and then you can learn how to draw from your your past or your your experiences in life and then turn that into a song um that's what i really got from 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 this book from from paul and it reads like a biography yeah i like even though he hasn't written a biography right as you go in through these he's like really recounting his life through the songs and i love also that the illustrations accompanying each song for the most part match Right. what he's talking about well, you know? for the I most like part yeah. yeah yeah i mean there, there's yeah. one like a like a let's say um uh arrow threw me for a matter of right. fact um the pictures from that um were from the earlier on on the wings wings days i mean i don't understand why he ended up choosing arrow through me to talk about linda you know asking linda to join the band in that early time with her mm-hmm. learning the songs and everything since that was so so long into the wings yeah. period it just seemed really odd that he 
chose that song um, to tell that story. And then, you know, you only get like a paragraph and a half of that, the actual arrow through me. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, but so I questioned so where he put some of the stories um, and then some of the pictures as well, because, you know, I don't understand why he just could, didn't put in a, a picture of the 79 UK tour in the arrow through me. Um, but he put pictures of the, say like, the 73 tour you know in there instead which is, i just I found a little odd so you just touched upon something there tom that it was it's one of the few criticisms that i would make about this book is that i want to learn as much as i can about the song and the right. contents behind the song and this is a book about mm -hmm. lyrics right. you know specifically and very often there's there's a lot of songs in there where he'll talk about the song for one paragraph and then go off on a tangent about right. something that's related to it, but it's right. not specifically about the composition. Right. Golden Earth Girl is another one too, yep. where he he touched on, he said this was kind of like a nod to John and Yoko as well. And right. then just goes into the whole, you know, John and Yoko story, how they met and everything like that. So yeah, exactly. He just goes off yeah. into a different direction with some of these songs. Yeah. I did feel like, like, Ken, like Ken was saying, I did feel a little like, uh, I was looking for some of the solo songs in particular. I was hoping there'd be a little more meat as to how it came about. I think I noticed in that with uh, Eat at Home, I think I was like expecting more than linda was a good cook he started saying and then he went into, i didn't really get more i was well, wondering also yeah. i don't want to go there but you know i was right. wondering if there was it more was a little song. adult there i mean he doesn't <laughs> yeah. go too too into you know, what people uh, might think that that song is about you know um but he just you know kind of says well we like to do other things in bed too but that's it that's where he <laughs> that's where he yeah. did the line <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I was really surprised too about it. I shouldn't say I was surprised, but he, you know, he does use the F uh, the F word quite a few times in this book as well, which mm. is fine. I don't I'm And not then somewhere else that. I heard I, he said I don't usually I didn't that was never my I don't know the words exactly, never my style. I never really spoke like that. I read a lot of I read a lot of passages. You know, I think it's great that he's you know, he's doing it. He waited a long time to do right. that, to, to, let it, to let it come out. But I, I, I can deal with that in a way. You, you know, <laughs> it, it, bouncing off something you said, Joe, in some ways, this does read like a biography, because when you're you're learning a lot more about his history, mixing mm -hmm. that with the songs, then yeah. it kind of takes on this. This it's it's biographical in a way. It's right. not just about the song. So some people might like it for that reason. But for me, I'm I'm more interested in the actual composition. That's what so I was looking so, forward to right. the most. Kit, yeah, um, kind of. Uh, I I think Tom, you really uh, nailed it when you said you know that this is also a book that if you're an aspiring songwriter, that that mm -hmm. you could read and mm -hmm. and learn from, because you know you really do learn about not only his life but about the songwriting process. Right. Um, I mean, you know, you learn that, uh, as you said, Joe, about how he starts out with not only the music first, but even the chords. Mm -hmm. You know, he even gets more specific. Uh, I think he mentions at one point that he uh, met, you know, talked with Stephen Sondheim once, and that you know Stephen Sondheim worked with you know works with melodies first and, mm. and was shocked when paul said he works with chords first you right. know so uh so you learn that i also was fascinated looking through all of the illustrations and seeing his lyrics handwritten lyrics so how many times you would see i mean you would see how visual a thinker he is 
um, you know, how much he would draw things out. I mean, not just doodling. I mean, he would do right. that, but even drawing out, um, you know, the arrangements of, you know, where the strings are, or where the, you know, I mean, he's so, he is such a visual thinker so you hmm. see how he plans things out i mean and yes included is the magical mystery tour pie chart yes. but uh <laughs> but that's yet another and you know that's not how you plan a movie but you see how uh you know what a visual thinker he is um also his love of uh wordplay i mean mm -hmm. that comes mm -hmm. up again and again and you right. can see then another way that he and john connected and why they were such good songwriters together because Boy, did John love wordplay. I mean, he loved to play with language. Right. And so did Paul. Uh, and, and of course, he got that from his father. Uh, he mentions that, which is another thing. Boy, mm. were his parents huge yes. influences okay. on his life. I mean, we kind of knew that to an extent, but we really see that in this book. I mean, he brings them up again and again and again. Um, and, you know, so you really see that. And I, I thought it was fascinating how uh, also that Paul brought up that, you know, this, this was a, a repeated theme that, you know, he really sees songs as a way, it, it's, it's sort of as freedom, you know, as freedom to create his own world you know uh of, of a you know fantasy world um and and kind of break rules uh you know whether it's language uh you know being as ungrammatical as he wants uh you know to create uh characters to create you know a yeah. way as a sort of escapism right um and you know he you see that again and again and again and so it's it's just kind of a fascinating look so in a way it is like a biography because you not only see then about you know the composing process but then you get a look into his personality hmm. so you know so in that way though the these books were really fascinating right. to, to mm, see yeah. you know peak in yeah. their creative mind yeah, well, yeah yeah one other thing too is is that i noticed as well was that he always asks us you know people comes up to him and say hey what does this song mean and he will say well it's up to you i mean it can mean anything that you want it to mean and yes. and that's another fascinating thing i thought in there too because yeah, i kind of sensed that before i don't know if i've read that anywhere but there's times where you know he'll say something really weird in a song and then like i mean or and it needs to be explained but then he's out there saying well it can mean anything you want it to mean i think kind of way in the sense same thing where, where lenin yeah. has, has done that as well right yeah, Paul um, said that on one of the late night shows, you know, just saying that it's up to tonight. you to, to, to interpret right. your songs. Right. They're, they're not just my songs, they're your songs as well. Right. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, well, I, if I made along those lines, I don't know if that was in, was that the, in the I'm Carrying uh, bit? Yes. Tom, when, you know, because Perfect I just want to say about that. I love that song I'm Carrying also of London Town. And I've always said, everybody asks, what is he carrying? And I say, package it's a package he says you know with you know my carnation hidden by the packages i'm carrying something for you you know he's carrying a pack a package for you something surprise mm, right and he says in there it's uh, uh, paul says it's clear that it's packages and i'm like right. thinking oh, that's great uh, <laughs> thank you and then he says it could be anything but why does he appease people it could be a baby right. it could be a gun it could be drugs he says here i'm like well, it's nice to but, leave it up but to the listener. You missed the best one. 
which was I was kind of shocked that he said, he says, well, it could mean that I'm carrying a band and writing on my coattails. That was oh, the one where no. I was like, like, whoa, why would he say that? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying, yeah. Well, you anyway, know, I, yeah. I kind of thought, yeah, packages, but it could be I'm carrying my love for you. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, with me. It's part of who I am, my love right. for this person. But uh, yeah, I think um, so much of what you guys said is what I got from this book. I mean, I always knew that his parents were important to him musically, especially his father, but it really goes much further than that in this book. And the whole history of his father being, you know, Paul calls him an amateur musician, but there was music in the family all the time. Relatives came over, they all crowded around the piano, they all sang a lot of songs that were pre-rock and roll. Those were just like embedded in, in him. And he heard all this stuff growing up and it really influenced him. As did, he goes into Fred Astaire in, in the book, people like that. Um, and he also talks about his mother. And for the first time, I believe, he's now saying that yesterday was influenced by his mother's death and mm. he even goes so far to say that i lost my little girl you know he said you don't have to be sigmund freud to figure out that, that was a reaction to his mother's death. no i've never thought that you know, i don't even think like, he thought that <laughs> i don't yeah i don't know if i believe that but you know tony DeMaio was saying no lies whatsoever i'm not saying a lie if I, no no and, but, I, but I'm, I'm looking at some comments if I can just because we want to sure. bring some people in. So uh, a few people said I always thought like I'm carrying was about, you know, the pregnancy, uh, pregnancy of James uh, being pregnant with James. Paul's the one carrying, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, Not, I, you know, well, so I don't know about that. But it, hey, everybody's got their interpretations, you know, and uh yeah, so and I think Tony DeMaio was saying, uh, you know, no lies in here. Uh, that's, you know, that's a, I don't think there's lies in here. For, I haven't read everything, but I, I'm going on record for that because I had said a whole bunch of stuff about the John and Paul dynamic and his, hmm. you know, and we'll, maybe later we'll talk a little of that. Too many people and dear friend and stuff like that. But um, I was just wondering um, some of the stuff that I'm not sure of, like, uh, Fixing a hole, for example, and Sergeant Pepper. I distinctly remember a Mal Evans interview. I've talked brought this up before. Mm. Uh, they played it on a radio special in '76, I think, old tapes. And uh, he said, "The truth is, Paul and I wrote 50-50, uh, Sergeant Pepper, the song, and Fixing a Hole." And uh, supposedly, you know, uh, Paul was saying, "Mal, you know, Lennon and McCartney's so big." And he said, you know, Jamal, you'll get your credits and your royalties and uh, royalties, excuse me, your royalties. Mm. But uh, he, says, he, said, I, he says, are you kidding? Me? I, said, I didn't care. He said, can you imagine my position? He said something like that. Uh, being with the Beatles, traveling the world with them and hanging out with the Beatles. There's a, a hundred mile line of people that would take my place. He says, I didn't care. I loved them too much. But Mal Evans claimed he wrote half 50 50. He said, I mean, it stuck in my head from when I was like 15 or something. Uh, those two songs, but there's no mention of it now. You know, who knows? Is, is Mal was Mal embellishing? Hmm. I don't know. Well, that's one of the things that I have a problem with with this book. I mean, overall, I, I love this book to death. Yeah. But by the same token, it's not so much what Paul is saying; it's what he's not saying. 
Naturally. You know, there's a lot of holes there in Beatle history that we've known about. I don't know how much Paul knows what's been said, but yeah, Mal Evans is one thing. Eleanor Rigby, you know, I've read yeah. that George Harrison was supposed to have come up with the line, ah, look at all the lonely people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's not addressed line. here in this book. No. You know, um, but he does so, compliment where in, in in other places as well. Right. You know, obviously he does compliment George with yes, with, uh, and I love her, and then uh, and, and you know, and John with uh, John with all my loving, all my loving, and then uh, yeah. Henry with my love. I mean, so he does. But yes, to your yeah. point, there are other points where he could have done the same too. Yeah, yeah. But getting back to what I was saying about his mother, I mm. think that it's very possible that as you get older you may look at these songs that you've written so long ago and maybe maybe there's some truth to the fact that maybe his mother's death had something to do with those songs it's just in the way that he himself and he has every right to feel whichever way you know you can write something and not know the full reason why you're writing it you know what the circumstances are what led you to write these particular lyrics and later on you might think, you know, there might be some truth to that. My mom died when I was 14. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. So you might look at this as being, you know, trying to change history here. But maybe there is some truth to that. You know, this is another thing that I I wanted to talk about here on this show, because, you know, I think there's a lot of us, and myself included at times, where We've studied Beatle history. We've heard how things went. We've had it cemented in our brains now for however old we are, could be 50 years old. And as soon as we hear a different story behind anything, we just don't want to believe it. Mm. Or we label it as revisionism. And, you know, it's the same thing with what we're about to witness with this Get Back documentary, when you've heard for so many years that it was all gloom and doom during the Let It Be sessions. And yeah, there was some joyous moments there too. And we're going to see that side of it, but you're brought up a certain way all these years and it's, you know, hammered into your head that this is the way that it is. So to hear anything that's different can be a little bit unsettling. I mean, another, I'm sorry. I mean, another example is the Mark Lewison book. Um, I mean, I don't, hear that getting knocked anywhere near as much as what Paul has been doing. And there was some kind of, you know, new stuff in that, in that, especially in that first book of Mark Lewison's, especially how they were signed, you know, yes. all this, all this time we, we thought it was, you know, Hey, play. And you know, and then they, then they, then they signed, them, you know, but not the case with Mark Lewison's book. And that all comes that's, from one man though, right? Uh, Kim Bennett. That's a whole other show. Yeah. But the whole story about how really the music publishing company, Ardmore and yeah. Beachwood, Ardmore really Beach. were interested in Like Dreamers Do. Right. They weren't really interested in, in signing them for a record contract. And yet, how did that all turn into they had a recording session and they didn't even record Like Dreamers Do? Right. You know, it's it's really it's a fascinating thing. And, and I think when Mark Lewison's book came out, I thought that was the biggest revelation of all. And this was front page news in my mind, right. <laughs> and nothing was yeah. made of it except right. in Beatles circles, people who read the who read the book. But um, yeah, that that's very interesting. But you know, this is what we're facing now. And when you hear a, a news story like the story about Eleanor Rigby, 
which I never heard before. Which right. Paul is talking about. There was an old woman that he used to visit. He used to do chores for her to earn some extra money. They sat down, they had conversations. You know, he's never told this story before. Yeah. You know, this is a song that's now uh, how many years old? 55 years old? Is it? Something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, Um, I guess. (laughs) And and you'd think in all these years that he would bring it up. But it's very likely there's so many things that we still don't know about these songs. And maybe Paul didn't think it was interesting enough to bring up in all these. Well, years. there's a there's a quote but, about from Paul on that with Eleanor Rigby, if I may, because I, I don't what yeah. you're talking about. Mm. In, in that passage, he says this is a quote. He says, uh, "This is the trouble with history. Even if you were there, which I obviously was, it's sometimes very difficult to pin down." So he says that, and I think of that line. He says, uh, "In early in days, early days, is yeah, you know, how, how you know I was the, you know whatever. How could I can't see how they." can't remember when they weren't where it's at but he's even admitting himself here he can't always remember he was there mm. i was obviously there so i never really bought in, in some some uh situations absolutely you're the only one the only one who could know and i always say especially your feelings nobody can tell you your feelings because right. you you experienced mm. it what was it like to, to to be experiencing this but as we've talked many times ken i know you've said the same thing when it comes to History, history, historical facts, they're not always the best the Beatles at remembering things like some historians are so obsessed with. It's yeah. his story, not history. <laughs> his story. You know, yeah. But what I've said, and I think this is really important, you know, when it, when it comes to history, when it comes to day by day, what the Beatles did in the 60s, they did so much in such a very compressed period of time, you right. can't expect them to remember every fact and figure of what they did. However, I do separate the songwriting from everything else because you had three primary songwriters in the Beatles. Yes, I know Ringo wrote two songs, but you know, with George Harrison in just about every case, except for Taxman, where John gave him a few words, the songs were all his. Who else to ask about George Harrison's songs than George himself? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Lennon and McCartney, in most cases, there are only two people in the room or one. So how can you really dispute what they have to say? You know, I'm not saying you should blindly believe everything that John and Paul have said. And there have been times when they've contradicted themselves. Mm. You know, oh, John's given, I'm, always, I'm, yeah. I'm always sticking up for John, but he was Eleanor Rigby again. I mean, he wildly exaggerated. He made it sound like it was his song almost. Mm. I think uh, primarily that's crazy, you know, but that's yeah. how he made it sound. So, you know, if anybody questions, you know, what Paul has to say about what are primarily his own songs, you know, you weren't there. You know, I would sooner trust him than a fan and their and their gut reaction, you know. But by the same token, you know, every now and then there's some inaccuracy that they're going to say, like we pointed out in the uh, Rick Rubin documentary about here, there and everywhere. And Paul said he wrote it in Austria. He also said in, in one interview that he wrote it when the Beatles were touring in Hamburg in 1966. So the same person is saying two different stories there. There are different stories about eight days a week. <laughs> right, right. You know, that, that Paul has said. Um, well, and, and also, uh, this, is, this is where my, my Michael Jackson and, and Paul worlds collide. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. he mentions in uh, Say, Say, Say. And, and by the way, he's got you know, very nice things to say. 
uh, mm. about Michael in, in this book, which is which is good. Right. Uh, but he mentions at one point uh, in the Say 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 entry that Michael covered girlfriend. That's not really true. Uh, not he wrote girlfriend for <laughs> Michael. Now he then, of course, did end up. Uh, you know recording girlfriend for himself but right. he said oh he covered it like uh, no that's actually not not true and then another kind of weird uh michael reference in uh uh let him in he then says right. about brother michael, michael. He said, well right. that could refer to michael jackson because i had invited the jackson five right um <laughs> on on the and i mean <laughs> at, you know for this party and he did right that's yeah. true mm. but i thought hmm <laughs> yeah, for the venus and mars right. closing party. yeah oh, and, and that is true but i thought uh, i don't know it's gotta be oh that's a little bit of a brother stretch michael. yeah right You're, i mean brother michael i mean that's that's michael mccartney isn't yes. it <laughs> <That's gotta laughs> i mean be. you know so a little odd so i mean there are some moments and there are, and i'm sure we could all go around and, and yeah there are some moments like that in the book that you think I don't. Well, think it, so, he's just thinking out loud. I take exactly. it as him, he's just thinking out loud. I mean, this is what it could be. This is what it could be. I mean, that's yeah. what my takeaway from a lot of that was. Yeah, and so some of it you have to kind of take with a grain of salt. Take with a grain of salt. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's just for the moment be positive, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> talk about some interesting facts. We have brought up a few of them about specific songs that you never knew before that you found <laughs> to be revelations, because I wrote down a whole bunch for me. Um, um, I actually, have only one <laughs> you know, that I know. Maybe, maybe I could just run down some of the things that, that I found interesting. This, this has to do with Paul and, and um, lyrics of his that he in particularly likes that he did. He loves ambiguity in lyrics and he pointed out for no one um, in particular. Um, what did he say about that? You know, the day breaks, that can mean like the start of the day or what else did he say about it? I've got all these notes here. So many. <laughs> I know I'm going through um, my notes right now. Your day breaks works on the level of both your day begins or your day is broken. She makes up could mean putting on makeup or making up after an argument. He said, it's a lucky thing for a songwriter when you have ambiguity like that. Mm. So I found that really interesting. Um, he talked about the song Goodbye that mm. uh, he gave to Mary Hopkin. And, and, it, and only in this particular case, he repeated certain words several times in lines. Uh, the word late, leave, and lonely. And um, I never really thought about that before, having listened to the song so many times over. Um, the carburetor in Helen Wheels comes <laughs> indirectly from Chuck Berry. Um, M6 South down to Liverpool, where they play the West Coast Sound in Helen Wheels is meant to be an amusing reference to the interaction of the Beach Boys and Beatles. Um, I talked about getting closer. This is like, this is what I live for. <laughs> this is this particular uh, bit of information. Um, in the song Confidant, you're your reflected glory I could dream of shiny far off lands where serpents turned to bits of string and played like kittens in my hand. And he's talking about how 
when he was in India with the Maharishi, that there was a guy there who was struggling to meditate and he was afraid of snakes. And while he was meditating, he saw a snake. And so Maharishi said, don't think about the snake. It'll turn into, what was it? I forgot, <laughs> uh, a bits of string. String. Yeah. So he thought about that and used that as a line in Confidant. So like Tom was saying, there are times when he references what he did back in the Beatles, even if it's just a couple of lines in, in a song. And where he pulls it from is really very interesting. Um, you mentioned Golden Earth Girl, which is an ode to Linda, but he, he also said it's a nod to John and Yoko. And he admired how Yoko would say things like, you know, look at the sky, look at the clouds, look at the ocean, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, and Fool on the Hill. I loved what he said about Fool on the Hill. Let me just read this. The song, of course, if you don't know, was about the Maharishi. Mm. He said, fool, in this case, really is a compliment, not an insult. He said, I'm simply describing how the Maharishi was perceived by so many people um, as the giggling guru. The song represents the Maharishi as having the capacity to keep perfectly still in the midst of the hurly burly. He's admirably self-contained and doesn't pay much attention to popular opinion. So all these years, you may have heard that song and not even thought about the Maharishi, and yet it was about him. Um, and I loved what he had to say uh, during Honey Pie, how important Fred Astaire is to him. And um, see if I can find what he said here. Um, he read a description of Fred Astaire from a screen test for him. He can't sing, he can't act, he's balding, but he can dance a little. <laughs> he said, Fred is a bit of an inspiration to me. And sometimes when I'm singing, I'll pretend to be that little voice. He was saying that during Kisses on the Bottom. He was trying to get that little voice. Um, it helps me reach a very particular place. He said, if I'd have to choose anyone, I'd be very happy to be thought of as a cha uh, channeler of Nat King Cole, Fats Waller, or Fred Astaire. I don't think there's any denying the idea is being a medium. That's fascinating stuff right there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Comment. You, yeah. From yeah. Marcus Tom. Well, this is, this is something else altogether, but I, I thought you were done. I don't want to. No, this is totally out of something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well. Anybody yeah. else want to comment about some real favorite moments of things you picked up about Paul's specific songs? Well, I know one thing I never knew was that I didn't realize that I'm ashamed to say, but be honest, I didn't know Spirits of Ancient Egypt was written by Paul. I thought it was a Denny Lane composition. I mean, he sings it, doesn't yeah. he? I yeah, know. then he sings yeah. it. Yeah. Well, he sings well, the, the other one too. He sings the verses uh, and then Paul the note, sings uh, the, the, um, the note they never wrote. Yeah. You never wrote. Yeah. But uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to keep this for later. I'm watching one comment in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a few things. Um, you know, let's start about uh, Ticket to Ride. I mean, and, and also That's the it? way. <laughs> Let's let's. I mean, that's the comment, right? Yeah. <laughs> but 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 right that, was, but that wasn't it. I mean, what I'm saying wasn't wasn't his comment. But it was really interesting when he put his name first, um, yeah. rather than John. Especially yeah. like with the, "I'll Get You Too," he put his name first, mm. um, rather than John. But the one thing I didn't realize that he says the fact of the matter is is that Ride is uh, an area in the Isle of Wight. 
um, which I had no idea. Apparently he had what an aunt and uncle that ran a bar bar there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's mm -hmm. one thing that, that could, uh, uh, you can associate ride, uh, in the song, uh, with, um, you know, the funny thing is, is there's been so much said about band on the run, but so little in the book. Here. <laughs> yeah. Just, but yeah. I want to, I don't want to get off ticket to ride just yet. Cause I know right. I want to show that. Go that. ahead. That's, that's the only track, you know, like we got to cover this a little bit right. that I, you know, Paul puts the songs, uh, switches the songs to Paul McCartney and John Lennon in some cases in the book. People wondered about that. And I'm okay with that in the book. Uh, you know, in the book, not permanently, I wouldn't like that in the world, but in his book, as his uh, memento, what he'll leave behind, that's that's fine. I don't think he's worried about that. You know, people are not going to know that I wrote Hey Jude or Eleanor Rigby. But Marcus Thompson... In, I had some notes on this too. He said, I still don't buy the fact that Ticket to Ride should be a McCartney Lennon composition. McCartney has even admitted in many, well, admitted, I don't know, he's remembered, I guess, in many years from now that he would give the song 60 40 in favor of John. Right. So now it's not 60 40, it's not Lennon McCartney, John first, now it's McCartney Lennon. That's the only problem that so far that I've looked at Beatle wise and songs and said, hey, you know, this is a strange you know maybe mm. i'll get you also i wasn't sure of right yeah but I, so I, I don't know but they look but look at john i want to give john equal criticism because he said in the playboy interview paul's contribution was how ringo played mainly how ringo played the drums mm -hmm. that's all that's all he gave paul so yeah. i don't buy that either <laughs> well that's that's why i'm saying what disturbs me is not so much what paul says sometimes but what he doesn't say right and when when he's listed as mccartney lennon for ticket to ride he doesn't explain why mm -hmm. he's the main writer in there. Why that particular song? I think she and loves I, you too. He put his name before as well. Yes, but he I put John first. And I want to hold your hand. No, I think and it was I, I want to hold your hand. Yeah, yeah. I want to hold your hand. John was first, right. and she loves you. Paul, Paul put his was first. Okay. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think when he puts Lennon McCartney, it could mean fifty-fifty, as well as predominantly John. I don't know. You know, hmm. ask him that if we, when we interview him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, come, and, uh, come and get it was another one where he talks about it only took him like 15, 20 minutes. Whereas I think in the Abbey Road book, I think we, we read that it was about an hour that it took him to, to put that together. So, I mean, that's even more incredible. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we learned that in a day in the life that nothing that in that article was in this book. So we can. Uh, yeah, you know, I wanted to life. cover that too. Yeah. And that's another disappointment for me about a day in the life. Right. You know, again, there's nothing about the composition right. of a day in the life. It's all this about the production side of it, how they have an audio library there that at uh, Abbey Road that they used. And uh, so when they needed applause or laughter on Sergeant Pepper, they would use it. And all about the orchestral buildup of, of a day in the life. And now Paul was in top on guard then. And, right. But nothing about the composition the lyrics mm -hmm. and the melody of the song, mm. you know, I find, I found yeah. that really odd. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are going um, to wonder if I, if I was going to cover this, I just want to briefly cover it to show that I didn't avoid it. You know, mm. originally there were all a few weeks ago, a week ago, whatnot, there were all these articles online. Okay. And I, I was reading them like everybody else with these ridiculous headlines. One of them said something like now Paul says that he wrote, a day in the life and not John. 
Mm. And I certainly wouldn't take that at face value, being a fan. Like, no, I'm not. Paul would never say that, you know. But mm. but it made me want to read the article, see if there were any quotes from the book in there. So I'm reading, and then once I read some quotes from the book, quote, um, I went to like there were like ten of these things, uh, different uh, sources, different uh, papers, uh, articles. Uh, and they all said the same quote. So I figured, well, the quotes must be from the book. Turned out, as Tom just said, in the long run, th th none of that was in the book. None of the yeah. quotes that were, were in there. Hmm. Uh, and it, that's part of the reason why at first I was going to boycott the book. Uh, and it was, a, you know, looking back, I can't believe it because I've come to enjoy it so much. And I changed my mind. You know, I made a public video. Everybody mm -hmm. knows this. And I said, I'm going to boycott the book. Why did I do that? I think it was just a, a culmination of some stuff that had been going on lately. Uh, stuff about the autographs, uh, saying, signing autographs always struck him as strange. And even though he, he used to ask for them himself many times, he used to say, I got someone's autograph. He said mm -hmm. that in interviews. Anyway, it's okay. And then there was the thing that came in the news that I didn't comment on about too many people, um, some th things about uh, in, in the book, supposedly, which came, weren't that being true in the book. They are in the book. This quote was in the article, too, about, well, uh, John fired a couple of missiles at me, uh, you know, in one or two songs. He's been writing in his songs, which, of course, in song really came after. It's just, He's probably remembering the Rolling Stone interviews where John right. was nasty and stuff like that. But, you know, for, this is for posterity in the book. When you so all this stuff together, a day in the life hoopla. And then he's saying about, you know, too many people and calling John and Yoko. Uh, most of what they did thought of was crap when it came to like war is over and all. I well, said, naive. you know what? I, I'm sorry. Naive. Take it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I said, I, you know, but whatever. I said, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to boycott the book. And then I thought about it better. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to, I want to have this on record. And the talk came out from Ken Womack. He did a good uh, re review, talked about how wonderful the, fo the photos even were. That made me salivate yeah. right there and then. <laughs> and all the stuff that was included in the packaging, you know, the, all the uh, transcripts, the, the, the handwritten lyrics and all that. Oh, man, I, the collector in me and the fan in me, I got to have it. You know what? Let's see for myself. And plus, I was going to do this show, Talk More Talk. For a minute, I thought, how am I going to do the show if I don't buy the book? Am I going to have to sit the show out? I don't want to sit it out. I don't want to rely on hearsay to do the show. I, I want to investigate it. I changed my mind. Forget the book. <laughs> and I am so glad that I did and no regrets. <laughs> and, I, and one last thing, I came clean with it on one of my videos. I said... What I'm telling you, I had second thoughts. I'm going to eat crow. I'm going to buy the book. I, the thought occurred to me to say maybe my girlfriend bought me the book, you know, <laughs> or maybe I could take the book and put it in a box and ship it to my favorite record store that I, they get mail for me sometimes from viewers and stuff. And, oh, they sent me the book. One of my viewers. No, uh, I'm not going to play games. I'm fessing up, folks. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, know, uh. I made, you know, I jumped the gun like Mother Superior. Uh. <laughs> and... Uh, Whatever, and I said I'm glad that I that I you know caught myself because I this is really a great piece of work. Well, thank you. It's hard to follow <laughs> that. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get that out. I had to get it out, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's, oh, it's, and one um, last thing he did. I'm sorry, he did put 
to his credit also, but the day in the life, not only was it the, the, the nonsense that I'd read in, 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 from there, I don't know where they got the quotes from. Uh, was it an interview or something? It wasn't in the book, Day in the Life. The book doesn't say anything that was in those articles. Plus, to Paul's credit, he left it Lennon McCartney, that one. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. not only did he not claim more, more you know, authorship, he left it Lennon McCartney. Well, so in Ticket to Ride took its place. Uh, I often find that uh, with certain people as they get older, not only are their memories not absolutely perfect, but the timelines, they get screwed up. Mm -hmm. So it's like what you just said. Paul was probably thinking the Rolling Stone interview where where John is lashing out at him. He was thinking about that, but he didn't realize that too many people came out before How Do You Sleep? (laughs) So, you know, he's human and he makes mistakes and you mm-hmm. pick that up in this book too. It's not a perfect book, right. but it's certainly got so much worthwhile stuff in there. Right. Yeah. And it's still it important. Is- like I said, even if even if it's accurate in spots, maybe there's mis misremembrances in spots or think timelines out. It, it's Paul's view of it. Right. It's right. his memory is how he sees it, remembers it. So I want I wanted to have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not perfect in this book. I would welcome another volume. Oh, this, absolutely. Sure. There's, there's so yeah. much bring, music he's done in his career. <laughs> yeah. And you know. usually, well, I wouldn't say this in recent years because he's gone so gangbusters when he promotes his new albums, but there are a lot of albums where he would do just a few interviews when it came out and he wouldn't go into detail about every single song. I want to know detail about every single right. song. Sure. You know, he's one of the greatest artists of all time. So, you want everything documented that you can about all of his work. So um, did any of you have a problem with him switching this, the songwriting credits? This has been going on for a long time. It happened in the Beatle years. It happened on yeah. the Please Please Me album. Just to reiterate for the record, yeah. uh, in this particular book, as I said, I have no problem with it. This is his, his record for himself. He's, it's been bothering him for a long time. Now he's had a chance. It is a, a, a f- official record of his songs. Um, he's got it, McCartney, Lennon, so there's no mistake to people, future generations that may read it, that he right. felt this was his. That's fine. I wouldn't want the whole catalog in general on all the records that go that way. <laughs> but, hmm. okay. You know, this this is, I have to admit, this is kind this has irritated me <laughs> over the years, <laughs> this, this whole thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, I get it that he's wanted to set the record straight about who wrote what and everything. I, I just feel like though, this has been such an obsession of, mm, of his true. over time. And, you know, among us fans and, and Beatles scholars and so forth, I mean, I just feel like a lot of this is well known already as to, you know, who wrote what. And, you know, I mean, I, I just feel like in some ways, in the end, I, I, I don't know how much of this really matters, you know, 60, 40, and, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like Paul has obsessed over this for so long. And mm. um, I, I, I don't know. I, I've just been really, I, I've been irritated over this for a while. Didn't he do this with, also with a Wings over a, America? Yeah, right. he did it there. Yeah. He did, it. and wasn't there another Broad live Street album too? I think. Uh, a what? Was Broad it? Street was Broad it? Street, and then I thought there was a more recent live album where 
uh, he did it too. Maybe I'm mm. hallucinating that. Like maybe um, back in the U.S. or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I think it may have been that. It may have been something mm. like that. And I yeah. just have thought, you know, give this up. I mean, <laughs> it's it, you know, it's Lennon McCartney, and I I just feel like there have been so many books done on this. There have been you know so many studies done that I think it's kind of well known. Like Penny Lane, for example. Yes, it says Lennon McCartney. We know it's mainly a, a McCartney mm-hmm. track. We know this. And, you know, do we really need it, you know, clarified that it's McCartney, Lennon? I, I, I don't know. I just have thought this is really beating a dead horse. I, 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 I agree you know. with you, Kit. I've always agreed with you. But what I think is what always puzzles me is that, you know, we all know how, you know, Paul has nothing to prove. You know, Paul is, is, is great. Uh, I've called him in my video, the greatest songwriter who ever lived. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what I feel. Okay. For the much as I'm so, supposedly more of a John guy, mostly for like, I just find him more interesting as a person, you know, but uh, what a genius of melody and everything Paul is, but why doesn't, he doesn't it strike me that he feels it, that he really knows it inside of feels comfortable with it yet, yeah. that, you yeah. know, himself. That's that's the impression I get. He knows he know he knows how good he is. He yeah. does, but yet there's something I don't know what mm. that he's got to still like be reassured. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you just think after all these years that mm. that this is still clearly bothering him. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's. I think in many ways he's very insecure. Mm-hmm. You know, I think all four Beatles are insecure and it was you got can you even imagine what it must have been like when they broke up how, you know, they had to start all over again. And even though, yes, they had all the success, it's a completely different feeling altogether to be on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to examine or think about your own self worth. And yes, John Lennon wrote all these great songs in the Beatles and Paul McCartney wrote all these great songs in the Beatles. You know, you should be proud of that alone. And that should at least make you feel like, hey, I can do this by myself. But there's it's right. it's only human that, you know, that there's an insecurity that all four of them would have. That was a great security blanket to have for that period of time. You know, just about everything they touched did really well. So, Maybe Paul wrote that line about insecure in, in hell. <laughs> <laughs> feel so insecure. Maybe, you know. But yeah, I, I have no... yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I just like I, I don't have no problem with him telling us what he did or if there's specific stuff that he wrote in the line, what lyrics he did. But just I mean, if there was true that you agree that it you're gonna keep it Lennon McCartney, then just keep it Lennon McCartney and just let us know what you did. Yeah. You know, I have no problem with that part of it. Yeah, I agree. Well, I kind of see things differently than the three of you do uh, in this particular issue, only because of the fact that yes, among us, among the people watching this show. We know who wrote what for the most part, but the average person out there doesn't. You know, the Beatles were not your typical band that had three main songwriters, four different lead vocalists. I keep thinking about, you know, when I've interviewed Gary Van Syok several times, and he's told me about the week when John and Yoko were co-hosting the Mike Douglas show, and Mike Douglas comes out and to make John feel better, hey. I'm going to represent him. I'm going to do one of his songs. And what is he saying? Michelle. Yeah, Michelle. You know, and, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra calls something the greatest Lennon McCartney song ever written. 
you know, on um, on that BBC radio program where George Harrison was on with Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson wasn't aware that that George wrote something. He thought it was a Lennon McCartney song. You know, the trouble with people like us is that we talk to more people who are like us, (laughs) you know, but there's a lot of people out there that just don't know. They see Lennon McCartney. There may be some people out there that as crazy as it sounds, might think John wrote the lyrics and Paul wrote the melodies on all those songs. You know, most bands don't have this much collaboration. And the thing about Lennon McCartney and what made that team so great is that there was never one set formula for anything. There were 50-50 collaborations from scratch, like a lot of those early songs, like She Loves You or I Want to Hold Your Hand, those songs. There were 50-50 songs where one, one guy wrote something by himself, the other one just threw something in like Baby, You're a Rich Man, or I've Got a Feeling, you know, those songs. Getting better. There were songs. Yeah, well, I don't know how much of Getting Better is John, you know. Yeah, Couldn't probably get much worse. Just a little. And, and apparently John wrote the line, I used to be cruel to my woman. Right. You know, I, I have heard that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of songs that are mainly John with a little help from Paul, mainly Paul with a little help from John. There are songs that are all John or all Paul. And so it's a little bit complicated. And if you're someone who's, you know, a historian and you want to know every fact and figure, you know, there are people like that. I mean, this is yeah. the most, this is the biggest band that ever was. The most I was just going to say, band this is the Beatles we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, there are people that want to know that stuff and they want to know what people exactly say like, as possible. Like, who really cares? Not, no, not, no offense to you, kid, but I've, I've had, you know, people in my videos say, oh, who cares? Who cares who wrote what? Just enjoy the music. And I'm, I, I get it. I want to yeah. enjoy the music, but this is the Beatles. Oh, sure. <laughs> It's oh, what I'm yeah. talking about, you know, which one of the seeds wrote the, the middle eight, the pushing too hard. Or something oh, like yeah. That. <laughs> right. You know, we're talking oh. about, you know, so, so, uh, losing the sky with diamonds. We're talking about, uh, I don't know, got to get you into my life. You know, we're talking. Oh, about, no, no, no. I right. care. I care who wrote what. But it's just when it gets to, you oh, know, we're, needle, we're like splitting hairs. That's right. Yeah. Then, then it's it's getting a, a little yeah. silly. Um, yeah. uh, Tony uh, Mayo asked how we feel about uh, solo songs getting credited to Linda and Paul. Uh, I don't have I'm a problem fine. with that. I'm I mean, fine. fine. Uh, I mean, that I think was done on purpose on Paul's yeah. part. Um, yes. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean, he yeah. has admitted that Linda has contributed to certain things. We know the you know live and let die the reggae part. You know, it was contribute to that. But mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, I, I don't see, you know, all those songs all the way up until 75 as a true collaborator. Uh, you know, Linda, I don't see Linda as like a real true collaborator like like John was. And I don't see why all of those songs should be contributed as or, or should be Paul and Linda McCartney. Myself, well, that was all so. the uh, music publishing thing so that they right. could get more money. Exactly. But, you know, we don't know. I'm sure that there was some influence that Linda had uh-huh. on the music that we yeah. don't know about. Yeah. It could just be a line here and there in the songs, but nowhere near what John right. was. Oh, play. no, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, she but was definitely, definitely a muse. I mean, right. you know, oh, he, yeah. and he absolutely. says that many times right. yep. um, yes. in uh, in the book. I mean, you know, that she was absolutely a muse. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure there were times where he would, you know, maybe bounce some ideas off her right. and, and you know, she oh, right. probably so, happens more than in how many, you know, how many lines maybe Ringo 
contributed to a song, a Beatles right. song or something. But hmm. you know, that, what about the title of A Hard Day's Night? We've talked about that. Should sure. Ringo have gotten credit? That's the whole. That's the whole song. Right? Uh, you know, the title. Hard. It's been a hard right. day's night. You know, yep. this is a whole show to itself. Yeah. yeah. You know, there, there's there's so many elements that go into a recording. There's so much that George Martin contributed to Beatles recordings and to oh, arrangements yeah. to things. And, you know, should he get a songwriting credit when he didn't write right. the lyrics or the melody, but he added mm. so much to the arrangement, mm. you know, you know, George Harrison writing those four notes for and I love her made all the difference in the world. And he yeah. doesn't get a songwriting credit right. for that. He didn't right. write a lyric. He didn't write the main melody, you know. He can, he can. And I respect Paul very much and salute him for saying, you know, that's something to the effect of that's the whole song. I mean, that's the drive. That turned the song. song. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. I, I also want to mention that uh, one of the songs that I, I found interesting and discussed was uh, Jet. Now, of course, that's mm. a well-known song. Yeah, right. But the way he talked about it in saying that he wanted it to sound as unbeatles like as possible. Mm. And it just demonstrates how you know in the early 70s how he was just so intent on making his own mark and and you know forging his own sound getting away from the Beatles as much as he could now we knew this I mean this Mm. isn't you know headline news but it's interesting to hear him discuss that and and say how he was intentionally like he was like i'm making this as loud as i can i'm doing you know everything that we wouldn't do uh as as the beatles and i just you know thought that was you know really fascinating that you know he was he admitted here like i was absolutely consciously doing that mm-hmm. uh and uh you know so he was really going through a, a tough time in in the early 70s um to to rebuild you know his his yeah. career and, and you know start start a new life basically and boy you know and he and i think he said and i can't remember in in which uh chapter but he said you know how do you follow the beatles well i'm not going to try so mm-hmm. i'm just going to do something entirely different which was very smart mm. absolutely yeah and yet a lot of people point to the ram album as having you know a very beatlesque sound to it yeah, I mean, Which, he probably um, couldn't avoid it completely. I mean, <laughs> you know, he was a Beatle. <laughs> you know, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, backseat of my car is car. very, you know, like Abbey Road medley-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's true. You can't avoid it. He uh, is who yeah. he is. Exactly. Yep. Mm. Um, some other stuff, too. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Jed. I like how he, he kind of likened uh, his father-in-law to the Sergeant Major. You know, and yeah, yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. And he said was... something about that he didn't, uh, well, I don't know, I don't put words in his mouth. What do you say about he was kind of like, he kind of like was not intimidated by his father-in-law, but there was right. something that he didn't. He was too, uh, too stuffy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> too practical, was it? Um, I can't yeah, I think, it was something uh, that he was a little put, put off by a little, right? Whatever. Yeah. It was. I like how he's, and you know, here today he breaks down the, you know, we were that we were just, you know, we we were worlds apart, saying that uh, he was playing to John's cynical side, but confesses that they weren't really so distant, um, you right. know. So you know kind of weird thing in there um i do like this this line from high 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 where he goes you know the bottom line here is that sex and drugs are two staples of rock and roll more than that 
this is a genre that openly recognizes sex and drugs as being fun. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, I should mention the Polygon line, which I always believed him. I always believed him. I thought thought he said it in such a way in the song. It's almost like the B. He's like, just kind of like, like he's doing something like that. But the bottom line is, you could see on the actual handwritten lyrics, it says Polygon. Polygon. On the right. lyrics. For anybody still, I think Body Gun is a better lyric. I do too. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think Body Gun is yes. better. And, that, and I it think goes that's what the they thought. Drugs and rock and roll yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what he thinks the BBC thought he was saying too. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. 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 And Dear, dear Friend, I thought was, was interesting. I like that he breaks down the, you know, the are you afraid yeah. bit or, or is it true, you know, thinking maybe, you know, was he afraid that the whole relationship is breaking up? I mean, just, you know, more insecurity stuff between Paul and John. I really thought that that was a well-written uh, piece uh, for that one. It might be one of my favorite pieces in the book so far is the Dear Friend. Yeah, I, it is. You know, I, I really like what was written on that song, you know, I, I appreciated it. Right. Hmm. Okay. I just want to point out um, another day. You know, <laughs> he says the sound of five is actually a British radio show that people would write to about their problems. Hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking it's, it's about a woman who goes to work, either she's a receptionist or a secretary, as she posts another letter to the sound of five. You know, it's like probably the end of the work day. And here it's the name of this radio program it's interesting i think but you know these little things that you pick up in the book back in the ussr i'm sorry i would would imagine somebody in the uk would know that but here in in the states you know how would we how would we know that yeah Yeah. it's handy to us yeah um when he says honey disconnect the phone that's a reference to phone tapping Mm. and back in the ussr there's a lot more thought put into Hmm. these lyrics than than we thought of <laughs> previously thought <laughs> yeah. so you know it makes you realize that he put more effort in, into the lyrics of his songs right. sometimes you might think that these are lyrics that he just comes up with really quickly and sticks to it but a lot of them there are meanings behind you know what he's been writing yeah i got that you know you mentioned i got that a little more from i haven't read the whole book every song of course but i got a little more of that uh, the, uh, the lyrics were a little more meaningful than I thought in some cases. Right. Mm. You know. And also, well, he just... likes to bring up a lot of authors and literary yes. people throughout the book to give you that that feeling that he he reads a lot. Yes, he I actually, think. Yeah, I think in one, I forgot which one it was that he said that he was the more literal one. Everybody thinks that it's John. Yeah, you know, that was, the so, end. you know, again, to the, to yeah. the point where he, was know, he wants everybody he to would... know that he's the avant-garde one. He wants everybody now to yeah. know that that's, he's that's the, the, heck the, out of me. the reader, <laughs> you know. It was me. I was the avant-garde one. I was the reader. I was the intellectual. I was yeah. just like, come on, come on, give John something. After 41 <laughs> years, the man can't speak for himself. But but that I is. I know that. Oh, that, just to say that that is an interesting thing, though. He, you know, he really is a sponge, though. I mean, you, you see that, you know, in terms of musical styles, in terms of, you know, I mean, he is I mean, he is a big reader. I mean, for, right. for sure. Um, oh, and, yeah. you know, and it's just interesting how he, you know, absorbs all this and then, you know, it, and has a great memory for other things. I mean, uh, you know, it, it and uh, remembers phrases and people from long ago, and then we'll just pluck that out and use that for a lyric. I mean, you know, really 
fascinating uh, you know how he does that and, mm -hmm. and he creates at times and I, I can't remember which song he, he said this as an example but you know collages um, in some of his songs which I really like that that uh, that image uh, that he uses so yeah you really see that in this book this, this we have to cover I have to cover this Susan says uh, hey it's been done Yoko got herself a songwriting credit for Imagine for inspiring John to Imagine what a joke well you have to she writes <laughs> But you have uh, no. to realize, again, and I think it was the last interview, the RKO, the day you died, he said that uh, she, you know, she should have gotten co-credit yeah. because right. he yeah, said he that himself. That. that was inspired Yoko by Grapefruit. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like, you know, you know, imagine and, this and imagine that. And... Yep. The Yoko no. hate runs deep sometimes. But, uh, exactly. Never... <laughs> but no, again, that, I thought last... that was fair enough. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, John said it. John said, it. well, you know, John being the macho guy, he didn't want to give her the credit, you know, on the song or whatever. But uh, I think he said that too. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, he said, I give it to her now, long overdue. Yeah. That you was know, his words. Last day of his life. There's a few other songs that, that John and Roko, that John and Yoko wrote together. Oh, my love is one. Yeah. So it's not inconceivable. No. A lot of people love that song. My friend Anthony loves Oh, oh My Love. Oh, I, I said I got, beautiful. Yeah. I said I got news for you. You know, Yoko, Yoko helped write that. Yep. <laughs> but I, I will say it does bother me when, when uh, Paul did write, and it was for the end, the song, The End. He actually said that he was more into literature than John was. Right. And, That's you know, you, you, um, you've always heard that John was a voracious reader. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so um, I get the feeling that he he is still competing with John in, in his own yeah. way. Well, well, and yeah, that's that, kind of sad. That's another thing when we talked about you know, insecurity. I mean, uh, I know this is an old, an old tune that I keep playing, but, you know, it's so true that after John was murdered, he was like this martyr. And he was, according to Paul Martin Luther Lennon. Which mm. wasn't, you know, I guess it's a natural reaction. And for a while, it was ridiculous. And I had to defend Paul in like the early 80s. You know, I had friends that would say, I have one guy in particular, he said, Joe, John Lennon was the Beatles. It's like 1982 or something. I said, no, mm. no, he was not. It was all four of these men. And Lennon and McCartney were every bit as uh, vital equally. But now I always said to me, it seems that because John's been gone so long, it seems to me like with Paul naturally being out there and making more albums and touring generation upon new generation, new generation, John's becoming it's 40 years now. And now I, I think it's Paul has been built up more to the point where even I am starting to drink the Kool-Aid. Even mm. I'm starting to think, well, it's Paul. It's all about Paul. I'm starting to think that. And I'm, you know, I never <laughs> thought that I'm getting even like that. Cause it's been so long since we had John weighing in on things and writing new music, you know, it's, but, yeah, it is what it is. Well, it is fine to have your favorite Beatle, but a real Beatle mm. fan and recognizes the brilliance of all four of them and what they oh, all brought to the sure. band. Oh, yeah. As yeah, well as well. the people around him, George Martin, you know, all oh, the yeah. engineers. Beatle, they were all Beatle. so important. Yeah, Brian Epstein, all yeah. of that. They all played such say, a major part. Right. I also yeah. say I was really pleasantly surprised with all the pictures and talk about Jane Asher. I thought that yes. was... Oh, thank, mm. thank yeah. you that was mentioning great. that. Yeah, I story, uh, too, and that, you but, know, and it, it's not like you know he was bashing her or anything like no, that. But uh, you know, no. I mean, talking about the it's, memories that he had with her, yes. and and there was like two songs. I think I want to hold your hand, and I will. Where he's saying that even though he was seeing her, that those songs aren't really necessarily you know about her. Right. You know and I, mean? I love so, her. I mean, 
was, right? He thought about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right, but exactly. What's interesting, and I mean, for no one, he shit. admits. Yeah. What was the other one? For no for one, no he one. admits. Right. Oh, for no you one. Because know. uh, yeah. I want to say, I, I was reading, this is weird. I was reading about And I Love Her, that song. And I was loving how much he was going into talking about Jane Asher and all this. And I said, oh, it's nice of him to remember and share all this. And then it was fresh in my head. And I go out, get in the car, and I put on this oldie station. And what song comes on as soon as I pull out? And I love her from the beginning. <laughs> from the beginning, I got it. And I was like, how? It was just something amazing. Here's a song, you know, what, 60 ish years old. And, and we're talking about the writing of it and the inspiration for it from Paul. And it's something so like old and yet still fresh. There it is, yeah. still being played all these decades later. Mm. It just hit me the moment. It was a perfect moment, one of those special instances. But yeah, that was that was a nice surprise that, that yeah. there was so much about Jane in there because and, and absolutely she was a big influence on him too. Yeah. I mean, and not just in terms of um, you know, personally and that she was amused, but she and her family, I mean, was they were oh. a huge influence on him culturally. Right. Um mm-hmm. and yeah. Exactly. Yep. You know, yep. so I'm I'm really glad that he, yeah. yeah, that yep. that he gave she and her family their just due. So mm-hmm. we're really glad to see that. Yeah, and, and all the talk about, you know, Paul being into the avant-garde. Peter Asher was around yep. Paul at that time. And yep. he, that whole family. He observed that, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he, he doesn't talk that much about Jane Asher ever. No. Really. No. So that's um, why yeah. I was really happy about all the stuff with her in there, you know, and the pictures, mm-hmm. too. I mean, it was mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He talked about the last time he saw her in one of the, I don't yes. know where I read that. Mm-hmm. I read it in one of the one of the song entries. Yeah, I forget which one. I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That. Yeah, he was like walking by somewhere they used to go. And, <laughs> she and was there. She was there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So yeah, that was great. And and yeah, great pictures. Yeah. yeah. Great pictures. Of them yeah. Together. Speaking of pictures, are there any that stand out for you? I got to tell you, I was really surprised. Oh, yeah. There's Please one photo in there from December 9th. Yes, that, that yes. one, which is uh, you know, Paul on the street at a newsstand yes. with his back to the camera. But it yeah, says there's signs there. John Lennon shot dead. Yep. So that, that was one. in the book. Yeah, that some one. of the pictures wow. there, uh, and there. And there are other things there. I mean, uh, uh, strong uh, images. But I also on a happier note, I mean, I saw like a, a little set list at one, on one page of the Beatles. And I think Love Me Do was the only thing on there. That was original yes. <laughs> and everything else was like, uh, you know, uh, covers. And that was very early on. I also loved yeah. seeing, I mean, they were just like Polaroids, but seeing David Gilmore in the studio recording mm-hmm. his solo for right. uh, No More Lonely Nights. That nice. was cool. Never yep. saw that before. Yeah. yeah. Bro. There's a photo of um, the Beatles in Hamburg when they were at the Indra. Mm. And it's with Pete Best and Sue Sutcliffe. Yeah, it's like a professionally shot looks like photo. Yeah, it's really go. nice. So this is yeah. um, underground London Underground 1969. This one I like a lot. Paul mm. all by himself. Um, yeah, this, yeah, this. Oh yeah, wonderful images in it. Wonderful yeah. images. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean the that's I'm almost that alone is worth the price of admission. I mean all the wonderful uh, images. Some, as you said, uh, Kim, we've seen before, but some of them. Uh, yeah, that's oh, the yeah, that a, picture. That's the John, yeah, John. Yeah, Shaw. we've seen that many. Yeah. Times. And Just, and the book, 
is not just lyrics, folks. You know, some people thought, well, why do I need a book of just the words to the song? No, you know, as we said, it's uh, reminiscing about his life, talking in some cases how he came to write the song, sometimes not as much as we'd like for certain songs, but, you yeah. know, yeah, a little bit. It's, it's really worth getting. Yeah. His paintings, some of his paintings. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yes. Look at that's that. a beautiful, looks a great picture. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites mm. of, of he and Jane. Yeah. So pick it up, Ghosty. <laughs> Go to the store tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, Ghosty's out there. <laughs> he didn't plan on getting this. No, no. He says we're 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 convincing him to get it. <laughs> you have to get awesome. all these books, okay. Ghosty. You've been buying. Don't buy it like you know ten years from now when you right. put on Facebook. Oh, I I bought this old book. You know, oh, right, right after you that, have your two it. slices of pizza, one slice sausage, one slice pepperoni. After that, right. as one of as one of Paul's song says in the book, do it now. That's right. There That's you go. true. Very nice. Do it now. Also, what I do like is that with all these handwritten lyrics, there are some songs where you could see changes made. Yes. Good in point. the lyrics, too. Yes. Yeah. So um, even the slightest change, I'm fascinated by that stuff. Yeah, and you know, yeah. and who saves these lyrics? I mean, it's just amazing. You know, we talked about this earlier. You know, how do you know to save these lyrics? And you know, and where do you find? You know, and I'm sure the finders them under a couch, so you know, the, the cushions in the sofa or something, or you know, <laughs> in the attic in a box or something like that. I'm it, the type just, of guy that would that would save my lyrics, and I think in Paul's right. case, I don't know how early how early he did, right? But pretty early. But the thing is, once you know, especially once you know, you made it. Right, you know, and you're hmm. you're Paul McCartney. I was then I really start saving everything, but once not you, every single it. songwriter does that. Saves right. every scrap yeah. of what you write on, and oh, I'm sure that's one of the big highlights in buying these archival box sets for me are these handwritten lyrics, and they're done on paper, mm. and it looks like he just wrote them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just love it. Sometimes yeah. marker, pen, pencil, oh, you know. Yeah, I also like too, with a stain on I the like paper. A, yeah, <laughs> stains and I see a burn in one of them. Yeah. There was a Sergeant Pepper one. Is it really original where he drew like the costumes for the band on a Sergeant Pepper lyric? Uh I think it's for the song Sergeant Pepper's only Hogs Club band. Yeah. He's got the picture, he drew a picture of what they would look like. Hmm. Um I wanted to mention before I just have to see our note here to myself. Women and Wives, my favorite song right now, Wolf McCartney three. I thought of you oh, when I saw that. Yeah. Like, Joe's gonna and be happy. I love how he's talking about it. And he says his daughter Mary walked in when he was uh doing that song. He said that's a good one. I like that one. Or hmm. something like that. And he says it always feels good when you know somebody tells you they like the song that you're doing. All right. So, that's a nice also, moment. I think we all agree. Um, you know, we all have high praise for this book. Oh, yeah, I'm so, so glad I bought it, folks. I'm so glad. Not it perfect, but it's good. It's worth it. Yeah. It's, it's really good. No, not perfect, but it's nope. pretty it's close. It's yep. Pretty, close pretty, close pretty, good. pretty good. <laughs> if if you're if you're a McCartney fan, if you're a Beatles fan, you yeah. want this. Yeah. yeah and the holidays are close, so no, yep. ask, yes. put it on your on your list. And you Maybe know, Santa as someone <laughs> as someone who doesn't like to repeat himself, I do wish he'd do another volume and yes, you know, mm. talk about all these other songs. Yeah, it's like three, two, one as well. You know, yeah, yeah. a couple Absolutely. more episodes of that. Yeah, you never get up. enough of this stuff. <laughs> all <laughs> right, so that puts a wrap on this conversation on the book. Why don't we go around? um and just uh tell all the folks what we've been up to and uh tom we'll start with you 
Where do I start? Okay. Um, <laughs> what time is it week, right we, now? Let's time Yeah, this. exactly. Okay. <laughs> we got 10 minutes. <laughs> last, week we wrapped up, <laughs> last week we wrapped up our 101 favorite Macca songs countdown. We had some friends with us, including the great Kittle Tool and some, uh, some other fans of the show. So, you know, a lot of people participated and I was really blown away with how many people did participate. So I wanted to show my appreciation by having some of those people on the show so they can give their top 20 McCartney uh, songs as well. So that turned out good. There was some technical issues, but you know, we got through it and, uh, and I had fun doing it. Um, it was a blast. You know, yes. we just, yeah, it was a blast. Thank you kid for, for also for participating as my well. Pleasure. Um, yeah, so our the next two episodes coming up, we, we, um, we're going to do the lyrics book, obviously. That's going to be on the 13th. I'm giving away a copy of the McCartney lyrics book, and a lot of people participated, and I'll be announcing the winner on that show, and that's going to be this Saturday on the 13th. Um, yesterday, for the show on the 20th, we uh, interviewed uh, LJ. LJ Lawrence Juber came back to the show, and we talked about the, the 79 UK tour. Uh, this month is the anniversary of that tour and uh, started on the 23rd and that episode will be posted on the 20th uh, so our next uh, two shows are already lined up ready to go and um, I'm sure we're going to be live again here soon talking about a lot of fun things and uh, you know check us out on YouTube Two Legs A Paul McCartney podcast uh, we just passed the 800 subscribers um, so thank you again for everybody out there subscribing all the all the people that have been stucking with sticking with us since the beginning and then all the new ones welcome to the show um we're really looking forward to uh presenting all the shows that we have coming up to you and it's plenty of stuff man we've got a lot in store for you so uh again thank you everybody and uh who's next all right let's go to joe okay folks if you go over to my channel on youtube called mean mr mayo and you feel like you want to subscribe uh, I'm having a contest myself over there where you ha you have a chance to win this, which is going to be an actual uh, new picture disc. It's open, but it's still, you know, mint. It's got the shrink wrap and everything. It's the uh, Giles Martin and we got the other guy, Sam O'Kell uh, 2021 remix picture disc. So go over to my channel, but you have to be subscribed to, to be in a contest. And you can do that. If you're not, if you're not subscribed already. And uh, I'll tell you how to go about it. You know, the, the rules are in there. So nice. that's what's new for me. Very good, sir. Okay, Kit. How about All you? right. Before I get to my own thing, of course, uh, let you know where you can find us right here. Uh, you can find us right here, of course, on our Facebook page. You can find us on uh, YouTube. Please subscribe to our YouTube uh, channel. Uh, in fact, uh, Joe was mentioning before we went on the air that we've had uh, an increase in subscribers lately. So thank you to all of you who uh, have subscribed. We really appreciate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Rub it Again, in. get a room. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he's just taunting me with, with the gnome. Just, just ignore him, folks. Uh, he's so so thank you so much for uh for subscribing um and please tell your friends we we uh you know 
Love to get those numbers up. So uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at uh, TalkMoreTalk1, the number one. Uh, you can uh, go to our website at TalkMoreTalk.com. And of course, you can email us at TalkMoreSoloTalk at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas for future topics if there's something in particular you'd like to see. Uh, as far as I go, um, I uh, well, in addition to what Tom just mentioned, uh, being on his uh, his show, we just had a blast doing uh, the top 20 uh, Paul songs, which was almost impossible <laughs> to pick 20 songs. Good Lord. Uh, but I had a blast doing it. Um, I just recorded a podcast. It's a, a brand new podcast about Squeeds, which is mm. one of my other bands wow. that I really like. Yeah. Uh, called Cool for Cats. Uh, not surprisingly. Nice. Uh, yep. And so uh, we recorded an episode where we talked about the classic um, compilation singles 45 and under, and uh, which was my introduction to the band. Uh, don't know when that's going up uh, quite yet. But as soon as I know, of course, I will post that on my Facebook page, my uh, Twitter and all that stuff. Hold on, Kit. Yes, Did you Joe. know that in 1982, I was driving around in my car, and I heard black coffee in bed for the first time. And I, you know, I know, I know Paul's voice pretty good. Yeah. And I'm thinking, is this a new Paul song? Yes. The way he sings, there's a stain on my note, but that whole bit, I'm like, is that Paul? Yep. I don't know. I thought it might be a new Paul song. They, they have been compared, uh, you know, uh, Chris Difford yeah. and uh, Glenn Tilburg to Lennon McCartney for sure. I mean, so it's kind of, that's, I'm not totally surprised. Yeah, absolutely. Too bad it was. My, it's a good song. Too great song. <laughs> great songs so uh so be on the lookout for that um in addition because i'm not sure um well we'll be letting you all know soon about our next episode we may have uh, a surprise um for the next one about uh since it'll be around get back uh i will let you guys know that i will be doing the first book signing i've done in two years Wow. <laughs> yeah, since since uh, COVID. Uh, so I'll be finally doing an in-person book signing um, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, Friday, November 26th at, at uh, 1 p.m. Central, if you are in the Chicago area, um, at Blue Village Vinyl which is um, a my local record store. I'll be signing copies of Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours to the Beatles, Lesser Known Tracks. They're going to be having a uh, big to-do there. There's going to be a live band um, and uh, loads of stuff going on, big sale. Of course, it's record store day, so lots going on. So um, you can find out more about it at bluevillagevinyl.com. So, uh, so come on by. I'll be there, as I said, at one o'clock, but there's lots of other stuff going on. That's a Blue Village Vinyl in Westmont, Illinois. Just go to their website, bluevillagevinyl.com and find out all the details. So I'll sign your copy and you'll get a free tote to go along with it. So okay. hope to see you there. Right. And all right. before you start, um, our, our friend uh, and, and fan, uh, fellow listener, Susan, I, she brought up a good point that I meant to say earlier with the news. Disney Plus is doing a, uh, a, a new thing this month. It's uh, for you can do a trial run for $1.99 for this oh. month. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So if you're signing up for it. And if you only want it for the month, it's going to cost you $1.99. Wait <laughs> a minute. Get rid of it. Right. Wait a minute. Before the show, I signed up for hopefully $1.99. And right. guess what? 
I got to get a Roku or whatever yes. that thing is to oh, plug yeah. in the yep. back. That's forty bucks. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it's worth yeah. it. It's worth it. Right. Go ahead, but you Ken. know, Sorry about as that. as we learned with the Rick Rubin documentary, once these shows are up, you can just keep watching them as many times as you want. That's exactly. right. So that's really cool. I just love yeah. the fact that it's so accessible. Yeah. Anyway, as for me, my uh, YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio. I just did a really wonderful interview with a guy named Jordan Runtag. And Jordan um, writes for People Magazine, Rolling Stone, Entertainment Weekly. He's hosted or co-hosted a lot of podcasts for iHeartMedia. And he's a real big Beatle fan. And so he talked about the Revolver album and why that's his favorite Beatles album. And he also talked about who he, he himself finds is the most fascinating of all the Beatles. So we talk about that in the show. And he's an excellent speaker. I think you really dig that. That's a Ken Michaels radio and please subscribe to that channel. Also please. on my other uh, podcast show, Things We Said Today, um, last week we had a really nice interview with Simon Weitzman and Andy Lee. Simon Weitzman is the producer and the director of a new documentary that is due out next year and hopefully will premiere at the Fest for Beatle fans. It's mm. called Here, There and Everywhere and it's all about Beatle fandom around the world. And Andy Lee is the editor for the show. So that's something that we did last week, which is up on our YouTube channel. Um, and we will be doing a show on the lyrics book next week. So you'll get to hear uh, Alan Cozen and Darren DeVivo and their thoughts on that book as well. Please subscribe to that channel on YouTube. On my website, KenMichaelsRadio.com, starting Friday, a special contest to win Jude Kessler's brand new book on John Lennon. And as I said, it's volume five of nine. <laughs> she is as nose nine. the grindstone. Yep. Dude is uh, Shades of Life Part One is what it's called and uh, find out how to win just by going to the website on the home page, which will lead you to my special contest page. And as always, there's weekly Beatles trivia every single week where you can win one of 10 really great prizes, books, CDs, DVDs, Blu-rays, you name it, 10 great prizes every single week to pick from. And you got a full week to win to enter the contest. Yeah. That's at KenMichaelsRadio.com. It's going to be... Um, what's I'm that? sorry. I was just saying it's going to be tough for Jude to finish that series with, with what, 16 more years to go or 15 more years to go in, yeah. in four more volumes, if, you know, to have it nine, you know, I see maybe 10 or 11. Yeah, it all depends on how much detail she wants to give. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, in, in a lot of her books, it's, it's just a short period of time, like a year yeah. for each book. She yeah. may, mm -hmm. she may, you know, the last book might be John's solo career alone, you right, know, or yeah. it might be the last five years of his life. Right. That's, yeah. That may be how she approaches it, but um, got to admire her. You know, she's so dedicated yes. to telling John's story and um, she's constantly working on these books, yeah. you know, and good job, Jude. Yeah. I really got to, I got to get, I don't have any, believe it or not. I need them. All. <laughs> They're all out of, so pretty much so well so is well, everything eight days what is that other book uh days a week what's eight arms to hold you eight arms to hold you sorry mm -hmm. eight, okay. arms, eight arms to hold you i need these things mm -hmm. yeah all right so this has been great talking about yeah this was fun paul mccartney's lyrics book thanks to all of you for watching 
<laughs> Say it, Armstrong. <laughs> you have every book right by your side there, Tom? What is yeah, it? Just grab everything it right there. <laughs> <laughs> rub it in, rub it, rub it in the nose. They rub it in, they don't hold you. So oh. uh, thanks to all of you for watching. Be sure to join us for our next show. And if you haven't subscribed to our channel, please do subscribe to all of our channels. And I can't think of anything clever to end with other than we've given up talking here on this show. <laughs> so for Kit and Tom and Joe, this is Ken Michaels thanking all of you for watching and we'll see you next time. Woo! <laughs>